we're going to hear from the Bible now. We've been looking at a letter in the New Testament, it's called 1 John, uh, and uh, we're going to, we've got our last session looking at that today. We're hearing from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, uh, and it's going to be read to us by Lee and Cassie. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For the three testify, the Spirit, the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask from him. Thank you very much. When I was growing up, my mum uh, had a job that meant that once a year, we, we, with her and her colleagues, we took a trip to Scotland. I lived in Newcastle and um, went to an amazing hotel. It was called Peebles Hydro, uh, if you ever go up that way. And I don't know if it's still there, but... Um, there were all sorts in the hotel. Anyway, we would go, go for one weekend. One year, I took my friend, and um, we couldn't help noticing, me and my friend, that one of the bar staff had tattooed on his knuckles, love and hate. And uh, we were cheeky teenagers, and we spent the whole weekend doing impressions, not to his face, but doing impressions of this guy. We were going around the hotel going, love, hate, <laughs> love. We thought it was hilarious. And... Uh, now, I want to say, if you're tempted to get tattoos on your knuckles, I want to tell you to do this. Get love and love tattooed on your knuckles. That's what we're told in this passage, in a manner of speaking. Uh, you might think, oh, well, love balances out hate and it's all this stuff. No, no, no. We're told again and again in this letter by John to love. And there's a love for God, and there's a love for people. And the two are like your right hand and your left hand. The two go hand in hand. 
You can't have one without the other. This is how we know the lo- that we love the children of God, by loving God according and carrying out his commands. Love God. Love people. You can't have one without the other. It's a little bit also like your right leg and your left leg. You need one and then the other. One and then the other. This is what it's all about. The two go hand in hand. And it's so crucial. What is the greatest commandment that God gives? It's to love God and to love others. Just in March, uh, boxer Marvin Hagler, have you ever heard of him? He, he died. And uh, if you ever saw Marvin Hagler fight, he had these really long arms, and he would just, he'd do this. And, and he was always, he was amazing at delivering a knockout punch. Most of his fights ended in knockouts. And uh, he, he just was able to deliver these incredible punches. And if you're a boxer, you need your left hand and you need your right hand. Well, I want to say that our knockout punch is love. Now you might say, why are you talking about hitting people? In a manner of speaking, our knockout punch is love. Sometimes in life, you get delivered maybe uh, a, a, a knock on your cheek and, and you didn't see it coming. Poof, just came from out of the blind side. Or maybe someone delivers you a low blow and it hurts and you think, that wasn't fair. Life is like that. We all have blows that come our way. We all get injured in different ways. And the most natural thing of all is to retaliate like for like. But we're told to be bigger than that. We're told to be better than that. And we're told to retaliate, not with hate, not with anger, not with indifference, but with love. And our knockout punch is to be love told in this passage three times that we have a faith that overcomes. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the the world? The one who believes in Jesus. Three times we're told about overcoming. Well, how do you overcome in life? Well, I want to say you overcome by loving. Love is the easiest thing to talk about. But it is, if we're honest, the hardest thing to do. I've had people in my life who have really struggled to love. Now some people are just, they're just easy. They're easy to love. And that's not a challenge. But it's those people. And I can think of Christian people who have, oh, they've driven me up the wall. I've really struggled with them. And I'm supposed to be nice. And, but I found them just... They've got under my skin, I've really struggled. But you know, with those people, of course, I'm talking about people who I knew before I came to Pembroke. But, uh, you know, it'll take, give it time. (laughs) But you know, it's those people that teach us the most. Because they challenge our love. Am I really a loving person? Am I going to retaliate as they do, or am I going to deliver a knockout punch of love? This is how we overcome. Now, our world doesn't know how to do this. We live in a very polarized world where um, people are on this side, they say one thing, people on another side, they say another thing, and they don't agree, and they can't uh, get together. We've seen that, for example, in the United States recently with the election uh, and Trump and so on. Uh, Different people, so, uh, 
you know, just can't agree at all. I don't think social media helps this at all because we get in our own little echo chamber, we shout louder, we say, yeah, this is what I think, this is what I think, and everybody else agrees with me or whatever, uh, and all the others are on another camp. Or we're on social media and the person we don't agree with, we're just sort of typing away and it's just words. And so we just shout louder and louder. We've seen it in this country with Brexit. You know, some of us are Remainers, some of us uh, wanted to leave, and you know, it's like we just don't agree. In the church, we've got an incredible opportunity to show that there is a way to disagree. There is a way to show love, even when we don't see eye to eye. Because even if someone, you know, I fundamentally disagree with them on something, my knockout punch is that I will love them. I will love them unconditionally. I will treat that person with love and respect and honour. Sadly, the church has failed on this so many times. But as again, as we come out of lockdown, what an opportunity for us to say, you know what, we're going to be a church. We're going to try and be a church that loves. You tell me something that's more important than that. <laughs> if we could do that and put it into practice, I tell you, we'll take the roof off this church. <laughs> Let's be a church that loves God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loves others as we love ourselves. How can we do this? Well, as I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris said last, my love runs dry. I haven't got a, a, a bottomless pit, a, a, a full tank of love. How do I do this? We do this by faith. We do this by faith in the one who is love. And this passage points us to the person of Jesus Christ. He is the personification of love. What does love look like? Love looks like Jesus. You want to see who love is? It's Jesus Christ. And we're told here about three uh, witnesses, three testimonies that all point to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Now, hang on a minute. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his surname. It's not like his first name was Jesus and Christ is his surname. Christ is his title. Christ means the anointed one. It means Messiah. And the people of God, as they awaited their Messiah, uh, we read about it in the Bible, um, they were waiting for the one who was to come promised throughout Scripture, an anointed one, a one who would come to save, a one who would deliver, a one who would be king, a one who would represent God. And the Christian people, the early church discovered that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Now, there had been people infiltrating the church who were saying, we don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. So part of the reason John writes this letter is to encourage them. No, no, no. Jesus is the Christ. He's the, uh, the, the Son of God. And there are three witnesses, John says, to this fact. <clears throat> There's water, blood, and the Spirit he talks about. What does he mean by that? The water, he's referring to Jesus' baptism. When Jesus began his ministry, or just before, he got baptized in the River Jordan. He was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. Actually, when John saw Jesus coming, he said, I should be baptized by you. What's going on? He said, Jesus says, no, I need to do this. And he's baptized. And as he comes out of the water, a voice comes from heaven 
saying, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Not only that, the Holy Spirit comes and rests on Jesus like a dove. As Jesus was baptized, he's identifying with the human race. He wasn't baptized and have to get his sins washed away because he didn't have any sins, but he's identifying with the human race. And yet there's a voice from heaven saying, this is my son. So the water testifies to the fact that Jesus is the son of God. The cross, when it says the blood, that's talking about the cross. The cross also testifies to the fact that Jesus is the son of God. As he hung there, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Final words, it is finished, he said. Those who were standing there, there was a centurion, and, and, and the centurion, Roman soldier, was part of the killing squad, if you like, but he recognized that something was going on. He said, surely this man was the son of God. It was the middle of the day, but it all went dark. There was an earthquake. And the curtain in the temple gets torn in two. People recognize something was happening here. This was not just an ordinary criminal dying on the cross. This was God's Son, central to our faith. The water, the blood, and finally the Spirit all testify at the same thing, that Jesus is the Son of God. I said just uh, in the all-age talk, just how when we believe in Jesus, the Spirit comes and actually lives in us. You have God in you as you trust in Jesus. And what does the Holy Spirit love to do? He loves to say, look at Jesus. I'm so in love with Jesus. Jesus is amazing. Get to know Jesus. John says here that the Spirit is the truth. But if you read John's Gospel, it says that Jesus is the truth. And that makes complete sense because the Spirit and Jesus are one. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. You want to know Jesus? Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself in John's Gospel talks about the Father. He says, I and the Father are one. You want to see what the, uh, the Father looks like? Look at me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. There's incredible unity in God. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit testifies to the same thing, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he does. That's what he loves to do. In the late 90s, I was in a band, and uh, we, we did all of one gig with this band. That was it. We split up after one gig. Uh, we had rehearsals, and we, did, uh, we wrote our own music. We would call ourselves Circus Fish. You've probably not heard of us. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we did one gig in West London. In, uh, in, a, in a bar in West London. We came out of the bar and we were loading up our cars with the instruments. And uh, as we were doing that, this guy staggered down the street and he was really drunk. He couldn't barely walk. He really drunk. And we, we all noticed him because it was the way he was walking. This guy then got into his car. He found his car keys somehow. He stumbled in, got into his car, nice car, sports car. And we actually just, we stopped what we were doing, went up to him and said, mate, you shouldn't be driving. You know, you are absolutely blind drunk. He said, oh, it's fine, I'm going to drive, I'm fine. Switch on the car, boom, reverses straight into my friend's car, which was not a nice car. Uh, it was a clapped out old Ford Fiesta, but um, he reversed straight into it. And oh, dear, dear, dear. So the police came and uh, 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 basically my friend had to go to court uh, 
I did a statement, I went down to the police station, I gave a statement. The car was evidence, it was, it was damaged. Uh, and the state of this guy, it was all pointing to the same thing. All the testimonies agreed. What happened was the guy lost his license and so on. Well, it says here in verse 9, we accept human testimony. In a court of law, if you've got various testimonies that all say the same thing, we will accept that. But how much greater is the testimony of God? So I want to ask us today, do we believe what God says? Do we believe what the Word says? This is God's testimony. If we don't, we're told here that we make God out to be a liar. Because we not believe the testimony God has given about his son. End of the story about my friend. Actually, this guy challenged what happened. His license was taken away, but then he challenged it. It went back to court. He hired some high-powered lawyer. My friend got back in the dock. He was questioned and grilled, and the guy said, oh, you're just, you were just trying to take advantage of my client who's rich and partial and all the rest of it. Uh, and then he got away with it. He got let off. He obviously had friends in high places and all the rest of it. And my friend was made out to be a liar. We make God out to be a liar if we don't believe what he said. If we do that, we have a faith that overcomes. We have a faith in the one who is love. And this is the life that God is inviting us into today. Whoever has the Son has life. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. Are you wanting this life today? It's available in Jesus. It is impossible without him to have life, but it is possible to live a life that overcomes, to live a life of love through Jesus. So I want to pray that we would receive that right now. If we live in that way, we, we, we're told here we have confidence. We have confidence in approaching God. And we're invited to have confidence. Not to be coming really fearfully, but we're coming confidently to God. He'll hear us when we pray according to his will. God is approachable because of what Jesus has done for us. God is inviting you to come today. There is life to be found in him. Life in abundance. Love that overwhelms all the bad things you've done. Love is greater. Love does deliver the knockout punch. Love, you might have been injured in your life, but you know, God is wanting you to receive his love today. So I want to pray for us sitting here. I want to pray for us at home. I want to pray that we receive God afresh. Do you know what? If we're standing here, if we're here today, would you mind standing up? You are allowed to stand up. <laughs> and I just, uh, if you're comfortable doing this, you don't have to. You totally don't have to. But if you want to just hold out your hands and just to, in that position of receiving. Because I want to say, God has more in store for you. God has more in store for you. You say, I don't believe it. I don't deserve it. <laughs> don't make God out to be a liar. He's a God of love. It's all of his grace. None of us deserve this. 
but it is God's grace. Receive what he has for you today. The Spirit is here. The Lord is the Spirit and the Lord is here. The Spirit is the truth. Do you hear the truth of God's word? That Jesus died for you. That Jesus the Messiah came and he's for you. He's calling out to you, my son, my daughter. I'm pleased with you. I love you. Invite you to approach him right now. Come to him as a child comes to their dad. Just come as you are. Don't cling on to the stuff that gets in the way. Just cling on to Jesus. He's generous, he's loving. And this is what overcomes. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you be breathing into us again today? Lord, we confess the times we've fallen short. We confess the times we've not believed you. We confess the times our love has run dry. But would you refill us today? Would you bless your people with love? We run to the Father. We cling on to grace. Maybe you've been carrying a burden and you've carried it for too long. I want to invite you to lay that burden down and receive the healing of Jesus. It's not yours to carry anymore. Just give it to Jesus. Trust him. Receive from him. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord, for what you're doing. He has more. He has more. He doesn't run out of breath. 